Are you ready, amigo? See. What is going on, everybody? This is the W2 Amigos podcast with your co-host, Nick Coulter, because I am doing a solo episode uh, today. So X is traveling to uh, his Smoky Mountain properties. He's going to be doing a little bit of check-in on those, making sure that everything is going fine. And so I figured uh, I would do a solo episode with you guys today and see if I can bring a little bit of value focusing around some of the housing market updates and then also some interesting information that was released about FHA loans from the HUD uh, recently. So a couple of housekeeping notes before we get started. Would love for you guys to be able to go to whatever podcast recording platform you're listening to, whether it be Spotify or Apple Podcasts, and leave us an honest rating and review. Really appreciate that. We're uh, doing pretty well so far with downloads, and we would love to be able to reach more listeners. And that really does help us uh, be able to accomplish that. Also, give us you know a share with a coworker, maybe a friend or a family member uh, that you might see adding value for this podcast. So we'd love to be able to do that and be able to impact more people through listening. So we'd love to be able to have you guys do that. Uh, Without further ado, I'll I'll kind of cover what I want to talk about today. So two pieces of information that I'd really like to chat about. So number one is there was a reduction in the penalty or the premium charge for private mortgage insurance, um, which is basically the uh, amount of money you pay uh, when you put less than 20% down on loans. Typically, it's associated with the FHA loan. And there's a pretty significant reduction in that amount. So that amount was able to be lowered from 0.85 on the majority of mortgages, the premium of 0.85% of the mortgage on an annual basis to 0.55, which is uh, pretty large. And I'll talk about a little bit of the specifics of what that looks like for the average home buyer, especially when we talk about how that applies to house hacking and just some of the additional steps that you can take to get pre-qualified for maybe a little bit more than you were able to before. And then I'm going to parlay that information into what you know my assessment is of the housing market. I've had a lot of interesting questions coming in from listeners and from clients of mine. And then also wanted to dig into a little bit as to the fear that I've been hearing a lot about the housing market crash and, and things like that. I continue to see articles pop up, which really honestly just pissed me off because I think they're fear-based and not actually data-based. So I'd love to be able to provide a little bit of that detail for you guys. So jumping into it. So the HUD announced that on March 20th, effective, uh, that date going on, that PMI premiums on mortgages are going to drop from 0.85% to 0.55%. So what does that mean for the average buyer? So the average buyer, when they're looking at the medium home price in the United States of $431,330, your old PMI on that payment with 3.5% down would be about $320 a month, which is a pretty significant amount if you think about adding on to that mortgage. We're talking potentially about 10% of that mortgage gets added on through PMI. Now with the additional lowering from 0.85 to 0.55, that new amount would be $207. So the federal government is basically trying to save the average home buyer in the United States around $1,000 a year. Um, And you look at the total that it could save you, uh, which doesn't seem significant, but when you look at the monthly amount that you're able to qualify for, $113 to $140 decrease, depending on your market, is a pretty significant drop. And I think that is great news for house hackers and folks that are looking to buy properties to invest within the long term by utilizing the low down payment strategy. So I think, you know, what the government is really trying to do here is they're trying to aid uh, lower socioeconomic families, lower socioeconomic areas, um, folks with moderate to low income being able to get into pricing, into 
So what I think the federal government is doing is they're really trying to allow the low to moderate income earners and communities in our area to be able to purchase homes and be able to apply for and be able to qualify for more based on the mortgage insurance is going to get tacked on if you have less than 20% down. I think that is a, a great thing. And I think it also signals that the government understands that there will likely not be a housing crash. And the reason I say that before I get all the specifics of the data that I pulled, you know, we're really looking at the government saying, hey, affordability is a, is a crisis right now. And not many people can afford homes and not many people are able to afford the type of home that they want. And by lowering this, you know, premium on mortgage insurance, you're able to drop down the total amount that you're going to pay for that every month. It's going to let you qualify for an additional 100, 150 bucks every month in your monthly payment, which could make, you know, the difference of you getting into a place or not. So what does that mean for buyers and how does that apply to you guys that are looking? So let's assume you're a house hacker and you're looking to put three and a half percent down you're assuredly going to pay mortgage insurance. I pay it on my property. First one I bought, I was able to get it out because my property appreciated to 20% loan to value. Um, but if you're putting three and a half percent down, it's a certainty that you're going to pay. And with loans right now that are less than 726,200 bucks and you have less than 95% loan to value, which means you're paying in less than 5% down, uh, your mortgage insurance on those FHA loans has dropped significantly from 0.85 to 0.55. And then again, a medium home price, 451. That's going to be able to drop your payment by, you know, $113 basically as of right now. So I think I think that's great news. But I also think more importantly, what I wanted to spend some time digging into in a shorter episode was what does that really mean in terms of housing data? And, and, and is the federal government signaling that affordability is, is a crisis and they need to figure out a way to make home buying easier for folks with less down payment and allow them to qualify for a little bit more uh, when they're looking to purchase a home. And I, I think what they're signaling is they're signaling is affordability is a crisis. And I don't think they see it changing anytime soon. So I've, if I put my feet in their shoes, what I think is really happening based on the data I pulled is they're acknowledging that there is no looming housing crash that's going to happen. Everyone I, I talk to is always really uncertain if it's a good time to buy or not, or if it's a good time to start getting into like house hacking and things like that. And I think this just proves that it is, and, and I don't think it's going anywhere. So, you know, with that, I wanted to discuss a little bit about listing data. And one of these things that's really bothering me is I've read some articles, you know, from different major publications, you know, Bloomberg, Forbes, even some of like the housing, Zillow and, and Redfin, some of those agencies. Projecting some like ridiculous crash numbers. Oh, we're going to see a 20% dip in the housing market. Oh my God, we're going to see all this crazy amount of uh, decrease uh, in the uh, ability to buy homes and it's going to force, you know, additional foreclosures because home values are so high and then now they're going to drop. And I just think that they're, what they're doing is they're manipulating data. I know that X and I have talked almost at nauseum at our W-2 jobs that we look at data every day and we try to analyze it. And I have learned over that time that you can lie with data. And it's not really telling a lie because you can share information really strategically to show that we are moving in a direction we may not be because you're not sharing the entire picture. So I'll actually give you guys an example of that. So looking at new home sales or home sales in general, if you look at that from a year over year decrease, so in, I pulled data dating back to January 2020, and I wanted to compare it with seasonal change accounted for because the housing market does change seasonally. It's a lot slower during this time of year and it picks up a lot more in summer because you have more people looking to move, looking to buy. I think a lot of the school time for kids really drives that. And what we're seeing is you could say home sales in January 2020 averaged 529,000 homes in a month. In 2021, they averaged 650,000 
homes in that month. So there was a, a significant increase. But in January of 2023, we're seeing a significant decrease. So home sales dropped by 36.6% year over year and dropped down to 405,000. And you see that and you're like, oh my God, there's this huge crash looming. Terrible things are going to happen. No one's buying homes. Things are sitting on the market. This is going to be awful. And we're going to see it revert back to you know, 2009, 10, when homes were on a major discount compared to what they were in 2007, heading into 2008. And, and that's the argument I can make if I manipulate the data by sharing that information. What I wanted to caveat and share in addition to that is there is a lot of additional supporting data that is proving that there is downward pressure on the housing market from new listings, from new home sales. And then there is a huge upward push on the housing market with availability and the amount of inventory that's sitting. So I wanted to share with you guys. So if you look back at the data, new listings in January, 2020, there were in January, 637,000 new listings posted compared to home sales of 529,000. And then if you look at January, 2021, you're looking at that same amount, but you're looking at it 640,000 for new listings and home sales 2021, you're looking at 650,000. So you're like, wow, okay, that's pretty even. And I'm looking at inventory during that time going from 1.45 million available houses January of 2020 to 954,000 available houses in January 2021. And, and that's like a significant drop off. And if we remember back at that time, things were going crazy over ask, people were waiving appraisal contingencies, people were waiving uh, their inspections, people were coming in with like, hey, I want to buy this house at $500,000, but I'll have an escalation clause up to 560,000. And I'll waive my appraisal contingency and I'll pay cash up to $50,000 more uh, than the contract prices, just insane stuff. And when you look at the 2023 numbers, it's really interesting because new listings are also down 26% year over year. So what I think what we have happening right now is we have companies and news articles coming out that are trying to depict that the housing market's in this giant free fall into uh, the abyss because of the year over year home sales that are decreasing. But if you look at that inventory and then also listings is following a very similar pattern. So if you look at new home listings in January, 2023, uh, you're looking at a 475,000 number, which is 475,000 homes. This is nationally calculated from Redfin's database to be able to pull the housing data. And you're seeing that decrease take place almost alongside the decrease in home sales. And I think what you're having happen there is a little bit of the lock-in effect. So if you got your mortgage in, let's say June of 2022 or 2020, I'm sorry, and your interest rates like 2.75%, you're likely, even with the equity you've been able to realize during that time, uh, likely a 20% increase in equity. When you go into the housing market again and you look to sell your property, you're going to be buying at a 699, 675 interest rate. And that's really going to starve a lot of your buying power. So I think you have a lot of sellers that are standing pat that they're not going to sell because they have interest rates that are so low. So if people are listing their house, uh, there's not going to be a lot of inventory. And if you track those same numbers across inventory, um, you're looking at, uh, you know, in 2020, 1.45 million available houses, houses in January 2021, 954,000. And then January of this year, 2023, um, you're looking at 1 million available houses in the housing supply. And what I want to do is provide a little bit more context because when I'm, when I'm looking at the market and when I'm trying to understand the trends and, and where things are going to go, I'm really trying to understand a little bit more about 
historically, what does this compare to? And I like to look at the pre-pandemic levels. I like to look at the craziest uh, peak time of the market, which was around 2021. And then I like to look at our current state and where we are. When people see there's a million uh, available houses and we're buying 405,000 of them every single month, there's not a ton of inventory that's sitting on the market that's very stale. So I like to look at that inventory number and see, okay, how does that compare to historical data points that are uh, of importance or significant reference? So in 2009, in January, which everyone would argue was you know really close to the bottom of the market, there was over 2 to 2.5 million homes available that were on the market at that time. So we would need to realize over 100% of inventory to be able to be back to that point where there was literally more inventory, excess inventory that you could not sell. And as we know, supply and demand is going to dictate prices. A house is only worth as much as someone is willing to pay. When you have 2 million of them available in the in the nation compared to a million, that means that you have double the supply. And if you have the same number of buyers as you did at a million homes, as you do at 2 million homes, obviously that supply and demand is going to work on downward pressure on the market. So you're going to see excess inventory driving down housing prices. You're going to see additional new home sales continue to stay flat or stagnant, maybe even decrease a little bit, but new listings and new inventory is continuing to peak up. And if you track days on market, that's a really good indicator of how long houses have been sitting and where we're kind of moving in that direction. Now, I, I will say days on market is one of my favorite ways to calculate how hot or cold the housing market is because you can see exactly how fast houses are being able to be purchased up. So if you look at January 2020, which you know a lot of people would still kind of equate to a regular housing market, a little bit of pre-pandemic levels, you're looking at an average days of market of 43. During January of 2021 and peak craziness, you were looking at 26, which is a huge decrease if you think about just the math behind that. I mean, it's almost a 50% decrease you know, from year over year. If you compare that to today, we're at 38 days on market. So you're still seeing lower days on market right now than you're seeing pre-pandemic levels. And so what I think people need to understand is there has not been enough downward pressure on the housing market from interest rates, from you know, new listings not being available or new listings not being in excess of available from decreases in prices. Like there's not as much downward pressure, especially uh, because there's not an excess amount of homes available for folks to buy. So, you know, what does that mean? I think when we look at the housing market, a lot of markets, mine specifically in Southern California, we've already seen about a seven to 10% decrease. Um, Some markets that were really hot, like Austin, Boise, some of the ones that were really blowing up Phoenix during the pandemic um, have already seen around 10 to 15% sometimes in some markets up to 20. Uh, But that's really specific data that you'd probably need to look at via Redfin and really drill down into your specific region. You can filter by state, you can filter by zip code. There's a lot of really awesome tools there. And you can start to track this data for yourself and see what direction your housing market's moving. But I would say uh, for the purpose of this chat, Right now, I don't see a significant looming detriment to where we're moving with the housing market. Obviously, the Fed has continued to commit to raising rates, as we've seen with the response to inflation. Uh, They're trying to drive uh, inflation down, and how they're doing that is continuing to raise the federal funds rate that banks are able to lend from, and that's going to eventually start to impact uh, your interest rate. So right now, I believe the 30-year fixed mortgage is coming in around 6.75%, which if we look over the last couple of years, that's a huge increase, almost 100% increase right now over where it was at in 2021, and we haven't seen that significant significant price decrease continue to hit the market. And I I don't think we realistically are anytime soon. For us to see a horrific downturn in the market, 
you're going to have to have a couple of things happen. Number one, you're going to have to have new home sales or home sales stay relatively flat or maybe, you know, uh, uptick by like less than 5% or maybe even decrease slightly. I don't see that happening. Uh, when you look at the millennial uh, age group, we are all forming into home buying years. So myself, I'm 30 years old. I know the resident old man now, I feel like. Um, but most of us in, in that age group are coming into house forming years. So we've found a spouse, a partner, and we're looking at starting families, and we need to have houses available to us to be able to do so. So that's going to continue to push upward pressure on the market because you're going to have a larger pool of buyers. When you think about that in that aspect, we are the largest uh, generation to age into home buying years. And baby boomers are continuing to live longer and longer. And a lot of them have been able to put themselves in positions to refinance with rates as low as two, two and a half, three percent. And so they're holding onto those homes. So that's the second aspect that needs to, to change. We need new listings to jump up significantly. To be back into a place where the market is more healthy and there's a little bit more equilibrium to buyer and to seller, uh, you need to see new listings jump, I would say at least 20 or 30 percent and sustain that way month over month for at least a year to be able to show that there is a growing gap between new listings and then home sales. And what that's eventually going to do is that's going to put downward pressure on the housing market because there's going to be excess inventory. Uh, because if you think about it, if there's three houses for sale in your price range with your specific buy box, if you're looking at four bedroom, two baths to be able to do a rent by the room house hack, there's four available in a zip code that you're looking at, three available. Two of them have been on the market for a really long time. And a third one is coming out on the market. You may be more apt to put in an offer lower uh, than asking price because you're seeing a amount of a sitting inventory that hasn't been there for quite some time. But that can't happen unless that inventory continues to pick back up. So we need to see that increase in inventory for the housing market to be able to invert and, and see a significant price decrease. I just don't see that happening anytime soon with all the data that I've been tracking. Um, so if you guys are interested in looking into this more specifically, I would jump onto Redfin and just Google, uh, well, I would jump into Google and I would Google Redfin housing data. And it'll bring you to a tab that you can actually use to filter, download, sort all the data, be able to drop it into the views that you want to see. So you can specifically get an idea uh, of what you're looking at. But to kind of summarize what I'm talking about, I, I think the federal government is understanding affordability is a crisis. They need to try to make homes more affordable. If home prices aren't going to continue to drop and you're not going to see the interest rates drop, you need to figure out a way to try to control that. And then that would be lowering PMI, the penalty that you pay on premium mortgage insurance to be able uh, to afford those homes. So that's what I would say the federal government's acknowledging right now. And I don't know if they're always right. Typically, I think that they do some silly things um, on both sides, but I think they are dead on on this one because if you look at this data, it's really proving the picture that you're not going to see a significant drop in home prices. So what my advice would be uh, for the aspiring investor, if interest rates are high, prices are high, you have some fear about buying an investment that you're going to hold as an investment solely, I would say look to house hack. I know I've talked about it a lot on the show. I know that, I mean, I've beat this horse dead probably three or four times over now. Uh, but what I think the, the thing I love about the house hack model is lending restrictions are so, so tight right now. You could go into a house and it's going to prove that you can afford it because they're going to run your debt to income ratio. They're going to look at your total cost of your mortgage and they can say, hey, based on what you have monthly in income coming in, based on your fixed expenses that you have to pay, your debt to income ratio, you can qualify for this house alone. Uh, let's say it's a three bedroom, two bath and you're paying $2,700 to live there and you're able to get two roommates at $850 a piece. Uh, that's like $1,700 that's going to be able to eat away at your mortgage 
could end up working that you're making or paying less than you were when you were renting a place. And I think it's a lower risk entry strategy. Uh, you get to learn how to be a landlord while living with people, which I think is fantastic. Uh, Rent by the Room is obviously my favorite because it's got the highest return on investment when you look at it because it's got the least amount of comfortability. If you're looking for something more comfortable, I would start to try to explore in the cities that you guys live in or the places you guys live in, what multifamilies look like. And if you could find yourself into a duplex or triplex or quad, and then you can rent out those separate units to be able to cover some or the majority of your mortgage. And with that, guys, that is all I have for you today. Hopefully you all enjoyed the solo episode. First time doing it. I know X did an interview solo a little while ago because I was caught up with some W2 work. Um, But we wanted to say we appreciate the listeners. Um, We are looking to continue to build out our list of guests that we interview. So please, if you're interested, hit us up at the W2 Amigos on Instagram and TikTok and also YouTube. Uh, If you have any questions more specifically for us, that's the place to get out and reach out to us. We've been super responsive there, been able to help some people out as well. If you're looking to connect with me directly, reach out to me at V5Family on Instagram and TikTok. And I'm looking forward to you guys next time and we'll see you soon. Peace.